Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Thank the Lord for illumination. Praise God. I saw the light. Proverbs 23, 23 is where we're going tonight. I'm so glad to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful church we're blessed with. Wonderful people that love God. Amen. And uh, as Bishop would say, it's a friendliest place around. It's a friendliest place around. You know this verse. You've heard it before, but let's look at it again. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. I want to talk to you tonight about heaven's economy. And my title is Joyful Stewardship. Joyful Stewardship. Heavenly Father, we need you tonight, God. I need your help. And I pray, God, as we, we study your word and we teach your word, let, Lord Jesus, your anointing cover us, God, both to speak and to hear and to receive and to understand in Jesus' awesome name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, joyful, joyful, praise God. You can be seated today. Is there anybody in this house that likes a good deal? Likes a good, we got Brother Joe. Is there anybody besides Brother Joe that likes a good deal? Amen. You find something and you think, woo, I'll take that. Anybody besides me look for a store that's got the colored stickers? That means it's on sale. Amen. I like to find something that is on sale. I almost bought a tool the other day because it's $40 off. Didn't need it. But I thought, $40 off? Man. Buy two of them. That's right. Everybody likes a good deal. There are some purchases that we make that are wonderful. There are other purchases that we make that are not. I'm going to tell you one transparent story, personal story, about a purchase that was not, 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 not wise. We were invited to get a free dinner. I like that. And they were going to talk to us about fire protection safety for your home. And we went there, and my, they had a great presentation. They talked about the dangers of of, of fire. They showed videos like we were in World War II of people, am I telling the truth? Scared. We were just a young couple, did not have the money. Scared us so bad, we bought everything they had. Everything we had. 
if my memory serves me right, it was a three and some zeros after it, and I don't mean hundred. It took us a long time to pay that stupid tax because it was a bad purchase. It really was. Well, the best purchase that anyone could ever make is the purchase of truth. Truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. The greatest knowledge that you and I could ever have is truth. It's the top level, the top level of understanding and learning. The exercise of truth is having the wisdom then to apply it. It's not just a matter of buying the truth. I also need to buy wisdom and instruction and understanding. I've seen some folks that had the truth, but they didn't have wisdom on how to carry it out. I want wisdom. How about you? Truth is the most valuable commodity you will ever possess. No expense, no sacrifice or commitment should be spared when you go and buy truth. Once truth has been purchased, it must be guarded, safekept, and obeyed. It must be never bartered with. It must be never traded, sold, or given over or given up. It must never be traded for the profit of momentary pleasure, but we need the truth forever in our life. Let me talk to you about cherishing instruction. The knowledge of truth is instruction. Amen. We, we ought to have the correct information, and the truth is always correct. The truth, not someone says, my truth, your truth. I, I'm talking about the truth. Uh, uh, we need to have the correct information of truth. We need to crave understanding in our life. That is the comprehension of the knowledge of truth. To comprehend means to, aha, I get it. Anybody ever had those moments in your life? Aha, I, I get it. It is comprehending the knowledge of truth and then the application is wisdom. The price of truth is found in our obedience and our commitment to, to that truth. Truth then lives in our sacrificial obedience. Let me say that again. Truth lives in sacrificial obedience. Giving up everything but never giving up truth is the best decision you would ever have in your life. God has provided for us clear principles of truth to teach us about life, about money, about finances, about possessions, amen, about stewardship. We must be very intentional when it comes to the purchase and the acquisition and the caretaking of truth. Truth. Let's get it. Let's guard it. And then let's use it in the economy of life and living for God. Amen. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. Philippians 4 and verse 10. Paul said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned 
Whatsoever state I am, there to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. But I can, he says, do all things through Christ which strengthens me. At the time of Paul's life, when he writes this, he is a prisoner. He's in the city of Rome by now, in the great metropolis of the Roman Empire. He cannot go and come as he chooses. He cannot preach and minister freely as he would like. He has lost freedom, and he has lost privacy. He has lost his, his ability to come and go. He's now chained to Roman soldiers. He has only the basic issues of life, a bare minimum if you could call it that, a bare minimum of food and drink and clothing. He is afflicted with the difficulty of his captivity, yet he knows how to live joyfully. He knows how to live content. Amen. I want to tell you that this is truth that you can buy. No matter what your situation, no matter where you are, no matter the difficulty in your life, you and I, we must buy the truth and sell it not. And the truth is, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Can you give God praise for that this evening? Paul said, I learn contentment. I learn. <laughs> I learn to be content. I've learned to have enough. That's what contentment is. I've learned to have a lot, enough. Lightfoot in, the, in, Lightfoot in his Greek commentary says this, that contentment refers to someone who doesn't need any aid. When you look at Paul and you, you say, well, there's a man that doesn't need anything, but Paul's in prison, but he doesn't need anything. Amen. Paul is chained to soldiers, but he doesn't need anything. The truth of the matter is we are living in the last days, and the days may come when we, must, we may have to live through scarcity, and we may have to live through hardship of time. Amen. But if you can learn contentment now, if you can buy the truth that he said, I'll be with you, that you can be content in whatever state you are in. Paul said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Amen. That is the secret of contentment is no matter where you are, no matter what you've got, amen, you're going to be all right. You don't have to feel like this world, that every little thing that comes your way is a trigger and you don't feel safe and you want to go cry in your, uh, 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 into your, 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 your Captain Crunch cereal bowl, amen. You, you just, just simply say, it's bad, it's horrible. No, the secret of contentment is that because I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can be content. That is the truth. That is the joy of the good stewardship. Discontentment, on the other hand, will frustrate your spiritual progress. 
The first act of sin was based on discontentment. Satan told Eve that God was keeping something from her. Just the opposite was the reality. God desired that they would be content in him. Not just content in things, but content in him. Discontentment is unhappiness caused by, caused by the failure of one's hopes and dreams and expectation and disappointments. Amen. And, and, and we can have these in our life, but there is a kingdom loss and profit statement that Paul give to us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. How many of you love keeping checkbooks and balancing your checkbooks and love those profit loss statements? Well, praise God. I see that hand. Is there another? Did you have your hand up, Savannah? Well, looky there. Praise God. I'm just finding out who can do some stuff in the church. Because folks like that is few and far between. You just love it. Well, let me just tell you, there's a profit loss statement in this, and that is contentment, say it, godliness with contentment is great gain. Hallelujah. Godliness going towards God, that's what that word means, going towards God with contentment is great gain. God's with me when I'm here and I got zero balance and he's with me here when I got a hundred dollar balance and he's with me here when I have a hundred thousand dollar balance. Amen. Because if I can't be content in, 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 in this area of, of scarcity, I'm going to have trouble being content in the area of prosperity. Amen. <clears throat> Paul went on to say, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we could carry nothing out. Having fruit, food and raiment, let us therefore be content. I'm talking about a truth that we can buy, a truth of joyful stewardship. Today's culture is on a never-ending quest of stuff. Amen. A quest of stuff, thinking that the next purchase is going to bring them contentment. Yet people are not happy. Do you realize in the world, do you know what figure puts you in the 1% of the world? What annual figure puts a person in the world at the 1% level of prosperity and wealth? It is around $35,000 a year. When you consider in the scope of the whole world, amen, you're a one percenter. Not no shouting, no running on that. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we are blessed. Here in America, we are blessed. We may not be one percenters in America, but God has taken care of our needs. But our culture, he man, is looking for, for all the things that would bring contentment. And still, they are not thankful. We've got everything in America, yet we have a lack of thankfulness. Amen. The advertising industry is constantly reminding us, you're dissatisfied. You are dissatisfied unless you drive this car. 
You are dissatisfied unless you drink this drink, unless you have this house, unless you have this medicine, unless you have this or that. Amen. I don't know about you, but I can remember when there was no medicine commercials on, on, on television. Now they're everywhere. I get tired of it, just saying, especially the end with all that fast talking. The goal then is godliness with contentment. Godliness. It is our, our pursuit of God and his holiness. It is our worship and our daily life. It is both an inward pursuit and an outward expression. If I could sum it up in a word, it is devotion, godliness. Let's pursue godliness. Let's be godly in our, our appearance. Let's be godly in our attitude. Let's be godly in our wallets. Let's be godly in our pursuits. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. The word great here in the Greek means flourishing. It means flourishing. It means procurement and acquisition. I've got something in my life, amen, that the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. I didn't buy it at Walmart or on Amazon, but I got it from the Lord in my life. Great gain. Oh, praise the Lord. We don't always get it right. We don't always have it just exactly right, but contentment will help us repel lust and greed and selfishness and covetousness and worldliness. It is great gain. Hallelujah. The world and advertising and all this you got to have, got to have, is not got a hold on those, does not have a hold on those who have godliness with contentment. I want to talk to you about some truths about joy and stewardship. Go with me and look at Philippians 4 and 10. Back to our verses we just read. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity." Providence describes the fact that God works everything to his own will. Providence, say the word providence. It means that God takes the millions of contingencies that occur in the universe, and out of them all, he orchestrates his own perfect will in our life. Providence. Woo. Amen. God's working behind the scenes. God's working in the tapestry of your life. God is working. Amen. While it was the Philippians who sent Paul an offering, it was God who ordered the process. So Paul could say, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. I rejoice not just in your offering, but I rejoice in the Lord because it's the Lord that provides. Can I just tell you the truth of the matter is this. You can trust God's providence. You can trust God's providence. That's a truth to buy. That is a joyful stewardship that you can get a hold of. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Hallelujah. Can you rejoice in the Lord greatly in your life? I may not have everything I want, but I'm going to rejoice greatly in the Lord. That's a truth of joyful stewardship. Verse 11 says, not that I speak in respect of want, 
For I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Our circumstance does not have to dictate our contentment. You take your notes, write that down. Our circumstance does not have to dictate our, our contentment. Paul is saying, I'm taken care of. It's a, it, is, it is a Dave Ramsey statement. How you doing? I'm better than I deserve. Somebody say, I'm better than I deserve. I'm blessed beyond what I deserve. Oh, can you thank the Lord for that? Hallelujah. That's a truth to buy and sell it not. Paul said, rich or poor, full or hungry, home or away, God's got this. Paul found his joyfulness and fullness in Jesus Christ. Paul is being led by the Spirit and not his flesh. He's not merely speaking that the Lord gives him strength in every circumstance, but his earthly comfort took second place to the comfort he receives from Christ. His the comfort, there's a comfort that comes from him when you have nothing, when you're down to nothing. Hallelujah. As, the, as they say, God is up to something. Hallelujah. This is how Paul can say, I don't need anything. God's got this. Paul's source of contentment came from above and he learned the lesson that God is bigger and above his lack. God transcends our needs. That's another truth that I want to tell you. Joy and contentment, amen, comes in this truth. God transcends my lack. God is bigger than my need. God is bigger than my need. I cannot supply my need, but I know the one that can. My God shall supply all your need. Hallelujah, according to his riches in glory. Can I just look at that verse a little bit with you? Uh, it's not in my notes, but he said, My God shall supply all your need, singular, according to his riches, plural. God has got what you need. There are no empty shelves of mercy. There is no empty shelves of blessing. There is no empty shelf of hope. Amen. God said, I will supply your need. Come, Lord Jesus, by that truth, God transcends your need. Then he said in verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Discontentment will cause you to be stingy. And Grouchy Bishop says, he said it, I didn't. Discontentment will cause you to be stingy and make you feel like you're a victim of your circumstance. John MacArthur then, uh, said this, if you're going to be selfish, if you're going to be a victim, if you're going to take, very, uh, take a very wounded personality, if every time somebody says something that offends you, or something you didn't like, you don't, you're going to strike out, then you will destroy all relationships and ultimately destroy your own life. Truth. Let me give you another truth. You're not a victim of your circumstance. 
When I think about ladies who are living for God, maybe a situation happened and a divorce happened and they're all alone and they've got to figure it out. They can because this truth, God is bigger than your circumstance, therefore you don't have to be a victim of your circumstance. A death happens, a problem, a sickness, an illness, something comes along our way, we want to throw ourselves into the arms of victimhood and say how bad we've got it and what all's going on, or we can throw our arms I'll throw ourselves in the arms of Jesus Christ, fall on him, and say, God, without you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. But with you, I can do all things. I will overcome this. This isn't my life. This moment, this moment of feelings, this moment of trial, this moment of test is a moment. What's the worst can happen? What is the worst that could ever happen? Well, you die. Well, what happens to the saints of the Lord when they die? They're to be present in the body is to be absent from the Lord, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Praise God. Here's a truth to buy. You don't have to be a victim of your circumstance. Then that scripture again says, I can, do, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'd like for three people to stand up right now to your feet and say that word. I can do all things through Christ. Come on, three people. Got three people. One. Say it. Say it out. Somebody else. Stand to your feet and say it. Amen. Be bold. I can do all things. Now, everybody, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Hallelujah. Oh, my health may, may fail me, but he never will. So here's a truth that will lead to joyful stewardship. Nothing is impossible with Christ. Nothing is impossible. The phrase, through him which strengthened me, comes from the Greek word dunamis, which we get the word from, uh, which we get the word dynamite. It means to infuse dynamite into something. It is to infuse power into something. So what Paul is saying is that he can put dynamite in my life. Oh, praise be to God. By that truth, nothing is impossible with Christ. Then he said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Here's the truth you can buy. There is joy in knowing that giving causes one to, one's account to abound. Amen. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. We often quote the verse without looking at it in context. Amen. This is Philippians 4 and 19. But if you go back up to verse 14, he says, Notwithstanding you have done well, 
that you did communicate with my affliction. That means you gave me an offering in my time of need. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me, offering, amen, with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desired a gift, but I desire fruit that you may abound to your account. Woo, man, that's enough to make a mummy shout because what he is saying, you gave and then you gave again. I didn't ask for an offering, but what I desired is for your account to be increased. I desired for your account to be increased. He said, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, and a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now, these are the verses that lead to that famous verse. But my God shall supply all your need. Because you gave, your account is going to be at that place where God said, I'll supply all you need. Don't just take that verse and just think of it as a promise because it is connected to the spirit of generosity. It is connected to the spirit of good, joyful stewardship. Amen. And Paul said, I didn't ask for an offering, but what I ask is that you would have your account to be increased. How many know you can't outgive God? How many have found that you cannot outgive God? There's joy in giving. There's joy in good stewardship. Let me just talk to you a little bit about giving and money. There's a common theme that runs through these stages and these scriptures applications of truth, and that is attitude. There's an attitude in here. Amen. The attitude is primary, is primary force that determines whether we succeed or fail. You will notice that there are people around you unfulfilled in their lives. You will find them constantly being in a place of lack and want. But if your attitude is joyful... If your attitude towards money and possessions, amen, and your attitude towards God is joyful, you too can say, I rejoice that my account, amen, is being blessed by God. Your attitude toward money will reveal your attitude towards God himself. You show me how you treat your money, and I will show you how you treat the promises of God. Amen. I believe today that if my attitude is right, my blessings are going to come automatically. God is going to supply the need. I thank God that you can have a joyful attitude, as Paul said, with zero or with a lot of money. Oh, thank God. I want to live in the lot of money, don't you? Because the promise of Scripture is that we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. The more, the more you can have, the more you can give away. Oh, because that's the blessing and the economy of the gospel and of the kingdom.
Benjamin Franklin, not a noted Christian, said this statement. He said, he that is of the opinion money will do everything may well be suspected of doing everything for money. It's attitude. Attitude. In the world, there are social classes. Many sociologists have have suggested that there are five social classifications in the United States. One is the poor, the working poor, or those that are on government assistance, underclass. Two, they tell us there's the working class, those who labor in factories or labor in smaller paying positions. Then we have not the middle class, we've got the lower middle class. These are those uh, that provide professional support. They're engaged in data management and record keeping and bank uh, business and sales. Then there is the upper middle class. That represents those that are in scientific and technological fields like engineering, accountants, and lawyers, and architects, and university faculty. Well-educated is the upper middle class. Then there is the upper class, the elite, those that are in leadership and those that are over corporations and foundations and and those that own a lot of land and stocks and bonds and assets, and they're wealthy, they're loaded. The Bible, on the other hand, gives us only three classifications of people when it comes to this, this content or this idea. The Bible talks about the rich and the poor and the blessed. The rich, the poor, and the blessed. Your attitude and my attitude toward money and possession will determine which classification we fall into. Money should not be belittled. Possession should not be thought of as less. We don't go in and and, and just live in as a a hermit, some up here in the mountain and barely getting by is no sign of super spirituality. Otherwise, all these monks that do that would be very spiritual. Money represents all the gifts and talents and blessings that God has given to you. To minimize your money would be to mock the one that gives you the the talents, the gifts, and the wherewithal to make money. He's the one that makes rich. He's the one that does. In Proverbs 22 and 2, the poor, the rich and the poor meet together The Lord is the maker of them all. The Lord reigns over the rich and he reigns over the poor alike. Amen. There is such a, uh, there are the poor in in scriptural understanding is talking about those that, that live in a poverty mentality. Poverty and lack can build faith and character. Yes, it can. And it does sometimes do that. How many have learned to pray when you didn't have? Learn to pray when you didn't have. 
I've watched families that have come to the Lord and they didn't have anything. They come to the Lord and they were poorer than poor. They were dirt poor. Amen. They didn't have anything that this world could look at and say that they are blessed. But when they began to live for the Lord and they began to follow the kingdom principles, all of a sudden God's blessings began to pour out upon them. Amen. And they went from being poor to being blessed. To being blessed. I want to tell you today, prosperity is, 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 is often askew when it talks about opulence. Opulence in America and ostentation feeling over their possessions. Amen. The message of total wealth is that you can have what you want and ask God and he'll give it to you. I want to tell you that is a misgiving. Amen. But what the writer says, it says in Proverbs 13 and 7, there is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is him that maketh himself poor and yet have great riches. What is the concept? I believe that the people of God live not in the realm of poor and rich, but in the realm of blessed. Because if you're blessed, it's not about what you have. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you drive. It's not about whether you've got a lot of money in your pocket. It's about the fact that I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye, what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be added unto you. I want to talk to you today about a joyful attitude leads us to great blessings. A joyful attitude towards money, possessions, giving, towards how you look at your tithe. If you look at your tithe as being a 10% that you lost, let me remind you, we don't own it anyway. It belongs to God. But if you give that to the Lord and offer it to him as, Lord, this is yours, and it's a sign of covenant when I bring that back. I bring it back to the house of God. It's a sign that I'm trusting you, Lord, to supply my needs. Oh, praise be to God. He does it every time. Amen. Somebody may say, well, you know, I tried that tithing business for a week. And it didn't work. Well, tithe is a covenant of lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of trust. It's a lifestyle of stewardship. Amen. Thank God for his blessings. Thank God for that. But you have to be consistent and joyful and understand. I write this check and I'm, I'm going to receive something from the Lord. He's going to go over here to that 90% that is left and he's going to bless it. You know what? There are unsaved people that are blessed because they tithe. Oh, they're not even saved. It's a promise from God. It's a promise from God. And so I can either look at, at what I have, amen, or what I don't have in my wallet, 
as being, oh, lack, and as being a victim, as being situation, or I can say, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Yeah, I want better. Yes, anybody want better? Anybody want to work for things better in life? I think that is a good thing. But I want to make sure the Lord knows. I want to be a faithful steward. And as Paul, I've been there, I've been rich, and I've been poor. But I can do all things through Christ with strength me. Stand with me, please. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Let me give to you a promise that Jesus articulated in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 29. Mark 10 and 29. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive, listen to this, a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the world to come life. You might have trouble in this world. You may have given up things in this world for the kingdom of God. But on the other side, there awaits a reward and a blessing that is incredible. Amen. You may have given up family even for the sake of the gospel. Oh, but there is a blessing that has come in your way, both in this life and in the life to come. I want to... Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.